preaching and will continue to preach until God releases me from it on prayer. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who joined us in our prayer chain on uh, Saturday and prayed with us. And uh, I know I, I came to the church two times and I felt the Spirit of God so strongly. And I am thankful for what God is doing and I look for God to do more. And so thank you for that. We'll be doing it again in the future. Uh, but I want to preach on prayer today, and I want to preach under this title, God's Remedy for the Unbearable. God's Remedy for the Unbearable. And I'm going to spend a large portion of my message today laying down a foundation for the point of my sermon. And I don't want to bore you with too many details. That, that can happen. It can get boring sometimes. You get into the details of Scripture and of course, pastors and theologians and people who study scripture, uh, they love those details. I love those details, uh, but I also understand there's a limit on some, some details. But I need today to share with you some things in tabernacle worship of the Old Testament uh, that it needs to be clear for my message to have a real benefit to you. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time, a good portion of time, my sermon today, laying that foundation. But before we begin, uh, why don't we pray together, and then we'll begin. We'll pray together that God will speak to us and open up our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is here. We thank you for visiting us today, Lord. We thank you for what you've done through this weekend. And I pray today, Lord, that our hearts, we open them up to you, open our minds. Lord, pray that you'd work on us Help us, God, give us strength for this day and this hour, this time that we live in. Lord, give us the things that we need in our backpack for the journey, Lord. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you all glory and honor. Amen, amen, amen. So Psalm 141, Psalm 140, <clears throat> Psalm 141, and, and even the the other following two psalms 142 143 they're all closely related psalms if you went to read them uh, they're very closely related most theologians feel that they happened in the same time period um, and they were bound together uh, sort of like a series like a book series in the first psalm 140 david has become aware of men spreading lies about him, possibly in the court of Saul, and their desire is to stir up action against David. They're trying to turn Saul against David, and so his prayer is for deliverance. If you go and read it, he says over and over uh, a few times, deliver me, make a way of deliverance. But Psalm 141, the tone shifts from a prayer of deliverance to Instead, keeping David's self from sin. He doesn't want to sin, and so he prays not to sin. And this season of David's life, it's a very trying, tiring, unbearable season. It's only surpassed in his life by events later that would happen with his son and his kingdom and his family, because there's, there's unbearable things about family trauma and tragedy. 
we often think of Psalms as being mainly positive, written about the greatness of God and how great is our God and how great are His works and His creation. However, nearly one-third are very, very desperate prayers from people in desperate, unbearable situations. And Psalm 140, 141, 142, 143 are just such prayers. If you don't get anything else from my message today, the point of my message is this, and I want it to be very clear. There is a unique quality within prayer that makes the unbearable tolerable. It makes the unbearable things tolerable. That's what prayer can do in our lives. So I'd like to give particular attention to David's prayer in Psalm 141. Verse 1 says this, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me, give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Sounds pretty desperate. It sounds even a little bit bold. God, open your ear to me, hear me. Whenever I call, come to me. Verse 2, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. Do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayers against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff. And they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave as one who, as when one plows and breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O God the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares that they have laid for me, from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. The previous psalm, as I mentioned, David prays for deliverance. But now, seeing that deliverance is not part of God's plan for David's life, as a matter of fact, the events surrounding this time and season in David's life would cast him to the wilderness and take him to cave places hiding for fear of his life. David prays, if I must endure it, let me endure without falling into sin. Keep me from sin. And all of those people that are against me, that are working iniquities, all of these evil people, I don't want to sin against them, but I also don't want to fall into their trap. So protect me. And so he says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. And the incense is agreed upon by all theologians to represent prayer. In the Old Testament. So we need to understand the practice of offering incense to the Lord. And that way we can understand what David was saying when he said, Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The altar of incense measured one cubit wide, one cubit deep, and two cubits in height. Now, a cubit, for our understanding, is roughly between 18 inches and 20 inches. 
And so the altar was small. It was just a small pedestal altar, 18 inches deep, 18 inches wide, square, perfectly square, and about 36 inches tall. But it was on this altar that every morning and every evening the priest was to enter into that holy place of the tabernacle and place hot coals on the altar. And then on top of those hot coals was placed the incense. And as the incense burned, it would release a sweet aroma into the atmosphere. And that incense was made of equal parts of these sweet spices, anica, galbanum, stactine, pure frankincense. And when burned, the incense released that strong perfume into the air, a sweet smell, a savor in the presence of the Lord that would overwhelm the senses. We have in our nose the thing that is called the olfactory nerve. And all of us, most of us, if you haven't lost your sense of smell, you use that on a regular basis. And there are times where you wish you didn't have it. And there are times where you're thankful for it. But every morning and evening, the priest would go in and he would replenish the coals and the incense. And it was supposed to be a perpetual sacrifice. It was supposed to be something that when he arrived again to replenish it, the the smell of the perfume was just starting to vacate the atmosphere, was starting to evaporate, but he would put hot, fresh coals on again and then the incense. And again, it would begin to release the sweet perfume before the Lord. And it would fill the whole place of the holies. In addition to being offered daily on the day of atonement, the high priest was to take a shovelful of those coals from off of the altar. And he was to take and cover that shovelful with two big handfuls of incense. And he would carry that in to the holy of holies, into the presence of God where the mercy seat sat. And he would go in with that shovel, the presence of God, the smoke and smell filling that tight place where the presence of God dwelt above the mercy seat. And it created a smoke screen and a perfume screen and it shielded him. It became, in a sense, a protective screen between the priest and God who was holy could not have any sinfulness in his presence. It protected the priest. But the incense was unique. Only the people, like the priest, were allowed to work with the incense. The only person outside of the priesthood who would have access was the apothecary, a pharmacist, who would make the mixture, make the incense. Any other person in Israel who was found to have the incense in that particular order, those blend of special sweet spices, that person would be put to death according to verse 38 of Exodus chapter 30. They would be judged. The incense was a special thing that no one except for the priest, not even David, had access to it. So how is it that David could say, let my prayer be set before you as incense? How is it that he knew? He understood maybe the mechanics of the priest going and burning the incense and all day that sweet aroma rising up in the presence of God. Maybe that's what it was, just the mechanics of understanding what the priest was doing. 
I don't think that was it. David had never been in the holy place. He'd never stood in front of the mercy seat. He'd never seen the incense fill that room. Was David just inspired by the imagery and ritual of the incense? No, David knew what he was saying better than we can imagine. Let me give you the reality. We often think of tabernacle worship as this pretty ritual, silent observance of the worship of a holy God. But let me tell you the truth, and I don't intend to be crude or gross this morning, but it was not as we imagined it. It was way worse than we imagined it. It was a bunch of bawling and bellowing animals who were getting slaughtered. They were fighting for their life, kicking, butting, bawling, bleeding, priests being kicked, people being hooked and kicked at and screamed at by animals that were dying and fighting for their life. It was seeing and hearing animals in their death struggle. Have you ever seen an animal slaughtered? We kind of romanticize, we're going to go butcher our own cow or we're going to go butcher our own hog. I've seen chickens killed. I've seen hogs. I've seen cows slaughtered for food. There's nothing romantic about it. It's a mess. You think about that. Daily sacrifices. Weekly. Monthly. Yearly. Festivals. And offerings by individuals. Over and over and over. The priest could not hardly keep up with the amount of sacrifices being offered. Those sacrifices were non-stop. The dedication of Solomon's temple, 144,000 animals were sacrificed. I'm sure we have some animal lovers in here. 144,000 animals sacrificed. Josephus wrote in War of the Jews that there were 256 thousand and five hundred sacrifices made in one day in Jerusalem. One day, 256,500. These sacrifices were efficiently and expediently carried out. And if you left here today and you walked onto a scene like that, it would turn your stomach. All the blood on the altar, there was blood on the priest, there was blood on his hands and blood on his clothes. The priest didn't wear a suit as I'm wearing today, he wore blood, that's what the priest wore. The priest was bloody, the altar was bloody, the ground was soaked with blood. He was slitting throats while the other Levites held animals down. That's what he was doing. Catching blood and sprinkling it on the mercy seat. Sprinkling it over here and sprinkling it there and sprinkling blood. Everywhere there was blood. He's catching blood and sprinkling blood. Catching blood, sprinkling blood. Cutting throats and burning carcasses. That's what it was. Have you ever smelled burning flesh? Have you ever smelled burning fur? That's, that's terrible. It's the most putrid smell that there is. When Shelly and I were first married. We lived in Alabama. Not far from our apartment, there was a pig slaughterhouse. On Thursdays, I would head out to work, and I can remember going out. In the first few months that we lived there, I heard this awful racket, this squealing noise, and I was, what is that? 
We wouldn't hear it any other time, but on Thursdays we'd hear it. We went exploring, driving around. We found there was a pig slaughterhouse. On Thursday, I can remember going to my car, the sound, the squealing pigs, and the smell as they were being processed. Just turn your stomach. When the wind blew your way, you could smell what they were doing. The smell of death, the smell of dried blood. I imagine in Israel, you'd smell the burning carcasses. If we were to witness it, We would wretch at the sight and smell. It was unbearable, but it was constant. The only reprieve from the terrible smell came in the form of the incense. Because for the priest who was bloodied, his garments were bloodied, his hands were bloodied, he would wash as thoroughly as he could in that wash basin and get himself presentable to go into the presence of God. But inside the holy place, when the priest stepped inside, Sweet spices of aroma filled that tabernacle and they would hit him in his olfactory nerve and overwhelm the unbearable smell that was outside. The priest would take a censer and he could take that shovel full of those coals and that incense and he'd put it into that censer. A censer is a little pot like a lamp for us on a chain. And he would scoop some burning coals and incense inside and he could take that burning incense out to the people. And they could enjoy the sweet, sweet smell of the incense burning. And so David knew what it was to have the sense of knowing what that sweet incense smelled like. Imagine with me the tabernacle and the temple, sacrifice after sacrifice. It's an overwhelmingly busy day. Burning bodies, carcasses of animals, blood. Here comes the priest, burning lamp of sweet, powerful incense in his hand. And as he walks past, the other priests and Levites, they're holding animals down on the altar, and they say, hey, come come over here. I, I can't hardly stand the smell anymore. Too much blood. Too much sacrifice. Oh. Oh, that that smells good. Wave it around a little bit. Let's get that smell in here. In the middle of slaughtering burning animals, get a whiff of something sweet. Imagine him walking among the people and maybe someone follows him for a minute. Mmm, that smells good. Oh, that's so much better than the smell of the sacrifices that are going on today. Thank God for that incense. You see, the power of prayer is not always that prayer works and answers what you're asking God to do. The power of God is that He can work a miracle at any time. He can and He will. He is able. But the power of prayer is that it can take the unbearable moments and make it tolerable. You might not be able to remove the grief from your heart, but you can pray. You might not be able to bring your baby back, but you can pray. You might not be able to restore the deceased loved one that your heart longs to see, but you can pray. 
The sweet aroma of prayer can make the pain, any pain, tolerable. The memory of your trauma may never fade. It may never go away. But the sweet aroma of prayer in the presence of God can help you make it another day. That's what prayer does. Prayer changes the atmosphere so that you can go just a little bit longer and a little bit further. You may have the same testimony as Paul. Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times. But God's answer was not to say, Paul, I'm going to take that from you. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul, I'm going to keep you where you're weak. I'm going to keep you with that thorn. I'm going to keep you suffering because my grace is working in your life. My strength is working in your weakness. It's perfected in what you're going through right now. God didn't leave you with nothing. God gave you grace and God gave you strength and God gave you the power of prayer to make the tolerable, to make tolerable the unbearable things in life. Let's just be honest today. Life stinks sometimes. It hurts at times. Tragedy has suffered. It's bloody. It's unbearable some days. But the remedy is only found in prayer. That's where the remedy is found. Like the sweet smell of incense changing the atmosphere. You can get up from a place of prayer and say, I can make it just one more day. There is a sweetness in prayer. There is a deliverance in prayer. There is a salvation in prayer. And when you have stood just as much as you can stand, when you have gone as far as you can go and you're just so sick that you can't hardly stand it any longer thank God for prayer the sweet aroma of prayer because you can go to him and call on your Lord and say God I need help in this moment I don't know what else to do but you can make it on prayer get on your face and start to call on God it may not solve the problem but it sweetens up your life It may not make it go away, but it can change the atmosphere. All of us are in the same fight. I'm just as vulnerable as you are. There are days when I weep over things that have happened in my life. There are things that can't be done away with, memories that hang on. Life can be difficult, and we all walk through difficult days, dark seasons, each of us bearing a burden. Every person is touched by trouble in life equally. No one escapes unscathed. We get tested and pressed to the limit. We see all the fighting, the hurting, the blood, the guts, the dying that comes with life until we just get sick of it. There's a way out. The Lord has made a way for us. That avenue is in calling out in the name of the Lord. Regardless of what broken thing there is in your life, broken hearted, broken body, broken, the further you go with God, the closer you get to Him, the sweeter those things can be covered up with a sweet smell and the aroma of incense of prayer. But let me tell you the honest truth. The further that the priests were away from the incense, the worse everything stunk. The less you pray, the more things in life are going to stink. 
The less you pray, the harder it is going to be to stand up for God. The less you pray and the further you get away from your relationship with God, the harder it is going to be to make it on dark days. Prayer does not always get rid of everything. Incense didn't get rid of anything. There was still a carcass burning there. There was still blood on the altar and blood on the ground. There was still the stench in the air. But something happened when the aroma was released into the atmosphere. It covered up all of that mess didn't get rid of anything it just made it tolerable carcasses remain burning flesh stench of death the animals fighting for their lives but it made it a whole lot more bearable prayer doesn't eliminate everything in your life it won't I wish I could tell you listen I, I believe in faith and I am a faith preacher I'm going to preach faith over and over and over. I'm going to preach miracles and I'm going to preach answers and I'm going to preach. But I can't lie to you and say that God's plan for you is for you to be healthy, wealthy, fat and sassy. That's not God's plan. God's plan sometimes is for you to suffer and struggle. Sometimes it means life is going to be hard. But prayer, even though it won't eliminate everything in your life, it does make it a whole lot more bearable. It makes it a whole lot more tolerable. You can turn to God at any moment and put incense on the hot coals of relationship with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you can lift up your voice and say, God, I need you. I used to have this goofy thought. I'm telling you, it is goofy. But if I prayed enough and I got spiritual enough, all the junk of life would go away. Maybe I'd never be discouraged again. Maybe I'd never have a bad day. Maybe life would just become the easy thing like someone else's life, maybe. What a goofy idea. You know what happened? I prayed. I would pray and I would pray. But I just got more discouraged. Felt like God wasn't hearing my prayer. So I'd get more discouraged. And all the junk in life would pile up. I didn't understand what prayer was really about. It wasn't just about praying and God answering. It was about praying and sometimes just improving the atmosphere. Prayer is a powerful thing, but prayer does not eliminate every situation from your life. Can I get an amen? Don't get the mistaken identity that if I the idea that if I pray it's going to take away everything that is bothering me. That's that's not what prayer does. It doesn't take away every hurt from your life, but it makes it able to be born. That's what it does. It makes it able to be stood. It makes it able to be lived because there's a remedy and a refuge in God that you can go to and you can say, God, this is what's on my life right now. This is what's on my plate and I don't know where to put this. I don't know how to package this in my life and bear it on my own. You can pray and God can say, I know, I know it's there and I would love to take it away, but my grace and my strength 
Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Then he turned, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know what happened? That prayer was never answered. You talk about bitter. You talk about crushing. You talk about anguish. You talk about pain. We're talking about life and death. It was there. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. The cup was never removed from him. But Luke tells us that an angel came and strengthened him. An angel came and strengthened him. The cup may never be gone. The cup may not be removed from your life. But there will be something to strengthen you. It may be an angel. It may be the presence of God saying, I see where you're at. I recognize what you're dealing with. I see the pain. I see the struggle. It's all going to be okay. If you'll pray and touch God, if you'll walk with God, if you'll use the power of prayer, it may not solve every problem in your life. It may not reverse the damage that is done. It may not take away the suffering. It may not change every situation, but it will sweeten up your life. It will bring joy to your soul. It will bring strength to your life. And you can get up and you can say, I I can stand it another day. I can walk a little bit further another day. I can shout the victory another day. Because the power of prayer and talking to God, bearing our burdens before the Lord. And if you failed God, you can do what David did. You can sweeten up the air with prayer unto God. It may not reverse what happened. It may not change anything. But God will hear that prayer and God will come and they'll set your relationship with him right. You can talk to God and get it straightened out today. God can still work in prayer. There's a remedy for the unbearable. It's in prayer. I wish I had every answer for you. I wish I could tell you that God would just take every one of your trials away and your struggles away. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that every person is just going to be so blessed that you and your life will be so distinguished from everyone else that God's hand is so upon you that you're just going to have everything. I can't say that. I can say God's hand is on you. And I can say that he has given everything that we need we can tap into it when we go to him in prayer because God's remedy for the unbearable is prayer it's incense that priest would come out with that censer and he'd walk by oh that's so much better Linger in the presence of that incense. Mm. I don't have to smell the, the stink of life right now. I don't have to smell the stench of the burning carcass. I don't have to smell the blood. 
change the atmosphere. I can imagine one of them saying, you know, when, when are you coming back? It's starting to die out and burn in the pot. Incense is all used up. Don't worry, I'll be back this evening. There's going to be more incense, fresh incense. And when I replenish what's on the altar, I'll, I'll put a little extra on there so I can come around again. That's the power of prayer. It's the remedy for the unbearable. And every one of us, I know, at some time, at some point, maybe now, maybe it's been in your past, maybe it's someday in your future, you're going to have an unbearable season. You're going to have an unbearable day in your life. And you're going to say, God, I'm ready to surrender and just give up. That's the day you need to go to him in prayer. It may never take anything away. But it will sweeten and lighten the load. It will take the burden and make it tolerable and bearable. It'll make it so you can say, one more day I can make it. One more day, I can walk with the Lord. One more day, I'm closer to my victory. One more day, I'm going to make it. If you'll stand with me. In our church family, we have people who are praying for some things that are seemingly, according to life, insurmountable. Things that are not easily overcome, things that are not easily answered, things that only God can do. And I don't want us to start doubting God. I want us to have faith. But I also want to say to you that if God never does anything, else if he never answers that prayer that you're praying he's given you those prayers so that you can open up that bottle of perfume and make it tolerable and you need to remember that you need to remember that prayer does more than just have God hear you and answer but it sweetens your life it sweetens the atmosphere, the stench of life. Praise God. Let's pray together. And then I'm going to invite us to take a moment of prayer. God, we thank you for your presence that's here right now. God, we know that every one of us, we're, we're struggling maybe in different degrees at different seasons and different times, but we all face unbearable seasons and days. And God, I don't know what a person is praying for right now in their relationship with you, asking that you would step in and be the Savior that you are. That you would remove the thorn from the flesh. God, whatever your will is, Lord, we want your will in our lives because the scriptures say that everything works together for the good of those that love you. Not each individual thing, but all the things together. God, we pray in Jesus' name that help us to remember and recall that the prayers that we pray, even whenever it doesn't seem like that prayer is being answered, that it changes 
the atmosphere, that it sweetens up our life, that it does its own work in our souls and in our life. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, as my wife plays, she begins to sing. I wonder if we could bring our prayers to the altar. Let's join together and present prayers to the Lord. Whatever it is you're praying for, come boldly to the throne room of God. Present that prayer. Prayer as if God is going to do it right now. And let that prayer sweeten this atmosphere. Lord, I praise you and I worship you. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your love toward us.